Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Okay. Okay. So do the introductions, Evan. Do we have the, a guest. Do, yes, indeed. Um, welcome to the Brandon and Evan show. Show, <laughs> for lack of a better title. <laughs> um, and uh, if you hear that laugh that doesn't sound uh, like any one of us, that's because we do have a guest on the show. We have Kat Karpoff, who uh, has an incredible wealth of creative experience behind her. Uh, she's an actress, she is a producer, she's a director, she's a writer, uh, and is now a creativity coach and consultant, and she has graced us with her presence this afternoon. Tell us a little bit about creativity coach. Creativity coach, it's, it's basically, I'm here to help you get your projects done, to get everything on track. Um, projects are life, so like... If you are an author who has a book that you want to publish it, that's a goal of yours. Let's get you on track of things that you need to do daily to get there. Or if you are a person who wants to be an author and has a book inside them, well, let's get you on track to get your book started. Or if you are, you know, an artist in any sort of way. Or it might be on the flip side of maybe you're an accountant who really wants to start a creative life. Mm-hmm. And so let's get you on track of a few things that you can start doing just to build creativity and flow within your life. And the consulting part is more getting businesses on track, uh, production companies, ad agencies. Um, let's see what you guys want to do and your goals and things like that. I, I want to focus on companies that are really wanting to work towards diversity and equality and pushing that mandate into their advertising and into their, you know, just a better representation of our world. So let's get them on track and see how we can creatively come up with some great ideas and move towards what you want in life and well, in your creative art. <laughs> well, that all sounds actually quite it's amazing, quite excellent in terms of, yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, amazing in terms of what you're doing, uh, but something that you touched on in there, which I think suits very well with sort of the topic that we, again, we, we discussed briefly yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we discussed briefly before we began. Uh, today we were going to talk a little bit about uh, the ideas that you're putting into whatever your creative medium is. Obviously, we have an emphasis on storytelling and acting, just because that's a lot of our background. But how that is something that uh, permeates any creative, artistic endeavor, and the importance of having an idea or a theme, something you're trying to say within your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that I'm really excited about this particular podcast because I think um, theme and the artist's voice is so important. And, uh, you know, when I teach movie making and screenwriting and storytelling and stuff. I always, that's the number one thing that I try to aim to get through to any client I work with, which is the whole idea that, you know, if you're going to make a movie, you're going to write a script, you're going to write a novel, whatever you're going to do, anything, even draw a piece of art or paint or whatever, I think that it's really important for you to connect to like, why am I doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I trying to say? And if you're not clear on that, you might stumble on it. But I think um, what you say is so important. It kind of permeates the entire thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that, especially with writing, 
if you if you're writing a, a screenplay, it usually comes out of inspiration of of maybe you see the scene in your head, right? And you're like, oh man, that's that's great, and sort of forms this story around it for the beginning stages, right? Mm-hmm. So then it's like, how do you take that and you boil it down into into like you said, your why, and then also like your theme. Mm-hmm. So how do you put those, and then how do you put those two things together? And then write this beautiful, incredible yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, totally. I remember coming across, um, if, if anyone hasn't seen uh, Pixar's Rules of Storytelling, yeah. that's like, just just go and <laughs> and find that. You just type in Pixar's like Rules for Storytelling, do an image search, and it'll show them all. They're, they're fantastically brilliant, and yeah. it's a gift that they're giving storytellers by by releasing this. Um, but there's, uh, there's one of them in there, which I always thought was really interesting. It said, it's important to go for theme, but you won't really know what your story is about until you're at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Now rewrite. You know, uh, and I have something to say about that is I, I totally agree with that comment. I think that's so true, but I also think that you want to consider what you're trying to say before you start. And what I found the way, this is the way I've learned to understand theme. And, um, I just realized that it's kind of an experiment. It's not like, you know what you're trying to say, because I mean, if, if you look deep down inside of you, you know, there's truths and things that you want to say to the world and you might not understand them. So I think it's like an experiment. I always think of like that movie when Harry met Sally Mm -hmm. and the theme is, uh, men and women can never be friends because sex will always get in the way. Mm-hmm. Now you could the movie can go out and prove that true, or it could prove it incorrect. And the thing is, is that that's kind of what a theme is. If you can't prove it both ways, it can't be an experiment. I don't know if you're saying anything because yeah. at the end of the day, your voice is your point of view on the world, and I think that's what gives you your signature. And I found that sometimes I've written a lot of scripts. Now sometimes I go in with a theme in mind, mm-hmm. and either one of two things happen. Well, one of three. The theme I thought of in the beginning was right. Least common thing, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second thing is I go in to, uh, to prove a theme a certain way, and through the process I end up discovering that it's actually the opposite to what I thought it was. And I learned something about myself because it's actually my voice, the way I thought it was, was actually a limitation, and through the story I, uh, I kind of grow and evolve, and I see the world differently. And then the third option is... It's something totally unexpected that I never saw because I was so focused on this one theme I was trying to tell that I actually perfectly told another theme. And then once I realized that, it's just about enhancing the theme that it actually ended up being about. Yeah. Why don't we really quickly jump back to what is theme? Sure. Right? Like for your audience here, like what is, what exactly is theme? Yeah. Because for me, it's, uh, there's so many ways to go at it, right? So it, it could be like, you know, men and women never work. It could be magic exists in the world. It could be magic exists within everybody. Um, but I think that it's a good thing to explain it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like uh, your thesis, mm-hmm. almost, you know, if you yeah. looked at it in, in an academic term like it's it's like okay what is what is this thing that you're trying to prove mm-hmm. in some essences you know it's like because because storytelling is a medium for sharing ideas mm-hmm. in its in its most base form yeah you know it's to communicate something which is why it's so important that you you have a theme so that can be anything that's 
pertaining to your life. That can be anything that you feel is important. And that's another reason why it's so, like, it's not just because it helps to keep a story together. It helps the story actually, because if you're, if your story's really not about anything, then yeah, who's really going to be interested in it, you yeah. know, unless you're trying to say something. So if you're trying to say something, it should be something I think that is personal to you. Mm-hmm something that means something to you. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, and I think that theme really keeps you attached to the whole story. Uh, you know, um, Evan and I did that Dov Simmons uh, yeah. film w- workshop, which was exceptional, and I recommend it to anybody. Um, side note, I recommend Dov Simmons because it's like three days, and it's better than film school, and you get pretty much everything you need to know in three days to get yourself an actual career if you're willing to apply what he teaches you. And it's awesome. And <laughs> that's the key. If you're thing, willing to apply. <laughs> exactly. And I think that he gives you an awesome foundation and then you can take it further from there. But the, he just cuts out so much. But anyway, he was talking about how you should have a theme and you should put that right above your computer as you write or whatever. And you want to look at that every day you write. And I think that's really true because, you know, I found that I'll write a theme and my theme will evolve and it'll change a little bit. Absolutely. But it just gives me a through line. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it helps that way. It gives you a place to jump from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, some people might not have their theme, and don't stress if you don't have your theme. It's all fine. Um, but it's something I think that it's really good to discover. Yeah. And eventually, if you don't, if you're if you're sort of grasping at sort of what is this film about, and you 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 might just discover it. But I, I agree with you. I think that you should choose something, a direction. Everything that you say in a script should say something, should mean something. And I think that putting it above your computer so you see it every time you stand, you, you start writing is a phenomenal idea. Mm-hmm. Because it just reminds you. It just sparks that. And it actually will get you into your work faster. And even subconsciously would start to permeate Absolutely. you know, what you're doing. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it doesn't come out the way that you originally intended it. And that's fine. But I think it's important to have some sort of, some sort of a place where you're aiming towards at mm. least and and eventually it will become what it what it will become and if you're aware of what's happening then you'll see it uh one of the little things that I always like to do when I begin working on a script and I'm and I'm playing around with the theme that I'm trying to communicate with it it's strange cuz now that I'm thinking about it I can't even I can't even place exactly where it all begins exactly you know cuz there's a story and then it's like I think that there's this story and then there's almost the theme that comes afterwards, yeah. right? Like there's this initial – like Kat was saying, you know, there's sometimes just a scene or it's that you see like in your head. You see this moment mm-hmm. and you go, what is that? What happened there? And then you try and throw a theme into it once you actually begin diving into it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what is this all really about? How did this happen and, and what is this all ultimately saying? Um, but I always like to uh, start with quotes, Mm. I start looking for quotes that have been said and sometimes I don't, I can't really latch on to one thing in specific, but I'll have like two or three things and I'm like, I like this. I like these things and I'm going with this. And mm-hmm. they're all usually in a similar, similar yeah. area. Gives you a bigger and, picture. Yeah. It gives you a bigger picture of, of, you know, some sort of a, a thought on life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like what, um, like one of our mentors Larry Silverberg says, he says it about acting, but I think it pertains to almost any art form is like, you can't let 
you, you don't do it, it does you. Mm. So it's sort of that thing, like you said, like you'll start off with this theme where, where you think this is what I want to be writing about and all of a sudden it teaches you something yeah. that you didn't know that you know and your, your mind is boggled by just like how it, like incredible Incredible, like how it how it did you. <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah, no, you're right. And you know, it's just making it's making me. This is getting me to think about how it's so important to be open and to not get too committed. Like, like be committed, but don't get too stuck on one idea because yeah. you need flexibility. You need kind of like that. Um, you need something. I think actually, as I'm even at a speaking right now, I'm thinking you almost need to be open enough that the truth could slap you across the face without you seeing it. Yeah. You know, it almost needs to, you need to be open enough that when it hits you, you go, that's the way to look. <laughs> you and know, you get truth. slapped across the face and be damn grateful that yeah. you did. <laughs> I think actually, you know, that's like the gift, right? It's like, and I think, you know, if you get too stuck on the idea that you initially had, like, you know, I'll share a story. I've talked about this script a few, few times already, but the burning blues, for example, you read the first draft of it. You yeah. never read it. I haven't read it. Okay, but anyway, so I did this I did this script and it, it started much the way you guys were talking about. It was a scene. I had some ideas and then theme was born and whatever. I wrote this script and then we had a financer come along with like over half a mil and so they wanted a rewrite and I said, Okay, well I'll give you a rewrite and I sat down, and I looked at the script and I and it was like it had been a few months, right? And I thought this isn't the story I want to tell anymore. There's something else in here. And, <laughs> and I literally sat down for two weeks and I rewrote the whole script except for one scene. And I was like, this one scene needs to be in it and everything else needs to go. And I used everything in the first draft just to inform the script. And now the script that we're going with is like literally 95% different than the original draft. It's the one we just did the table read for. But they love it. And they love it. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is that you have to be willing to let go of everything you've done to be free enough to, mm -hmm. and you know what? I, I love the story. It like, actually, as I said, that chills went down my spine because yeah. it, it really, to me, and you know what? It might change again. But the beautiful thing is, is that I'm like, if this happens, that's a gift, right? And it's, I think, you know, to, to date, it's the best story that I've personally written. Awesome. And only because I was willing to let go of the initial, the initial draft, right? I totally think so because everybody's process is so different, right? Like that's a process for you that you possibly didn't even know existed for you, right? Yeah. Like that's something that you discovered and this maybe won't happen to every script you write, but it happened with this one for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, it's so funny. Uh, who was talking about, they read this, they, they wrote this whole script and then they lost it. And so they, who was that? Oh, that was, um, that was John Cleese. John Cleese. It was a sketch that he was doing, he had written for like Monty Python. Yeah. If uh. you, if you look up, uh, the, he, he does a talk on creativity, John Cleese. And he, so he lost the whole entire thing. And so what he decided to do was just write it from memory. And what happens is your brain continues to work on the story. Yes. And so all of a sudden this new story is coming to light and it's better. Yeah. And it's way better. And it says more about you and it says everything that you want to say and it means more to you because mm -hmm. it's actually that is the creative genius working through you. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that, you know, I believe in sort of a bigger sort of thing that's happening with creativity, right? That it's an external source working through you and with you, so, right? So your muse is sitting there going like, ooh, do this, do this. 
facts and you're like, okay, like you don't even know where it comes from. You know what? I agree. I, in a, and I've read a lot about ideas about the muse and all that stuff. Um, but I do, I do believe in the whole concept of the muse, whether you're a spiritual person, religious, whatever, I don't or think not, that matters. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter because if you look at it, there's like everything that every story you want to tell is actually kind of a product of the experiences you've had in the outside world. And like what I found is like, so when I started this particular story, I knew nothing about undercover police. I mean, I knew so little. It's embarrassing almost. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but I just wanted to write an undercover story and I wanted to write a story about a guy who was undercover and what it was like in his personal life. That was pretty much the idea. Mm -hmm. And so the first draft that I wrote was like, in a sense... Um, I was just like, okay, well, I'll do enough research, but it's a placeholder essentially. And then when I started to venture into it, I started to, you would not believe who came out of the woodwork. I had actual, like I told actual police officers about this. They wanted to sit down and have a talk with me. Tell me guys told me about how undercover actually works. They shared with me like how there's all these guys who are kind of like almost part-time undercover who help an actual undercover, like they were sharing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, you get this inspiration through the world and it's almost like you get what you ask for and what you ask for and what's delivered to you is almost your muse. Like in a sense, mm -hmm. I found by going for it, the world gives it to me. It didn't really come from within other than the willingness to go and look for it. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's the state of flow mm -hmm. is letting, letting and accepting what comes your way. Right. So if in anything, mm -hmm. you, that's, that's where time is lost, right? That's right. when you get into that point of where time is lost or when you're like, Oh, like I want this, I love this. And then you start going into this like attitude of gratitude and all of a sudden you, you have exactly what you need, right? Like a police officer walks mm -hmm. right up to you <laughs> or you're just like, I don't know, maybe I'll mention this. And he's like, great. Yeah. Let me tell you everything. Yes. So that now you are an expert at this <laughs> and, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> and how easy, right? Yeah. It wasn't a difficult thing. You didn't no, have to go yeah. and spend hours. You just had someone sit down and talk to you. Totally. And that's how, that's actually for me as like a screenwriter, I think that's exactly how research should go. Yes. You can research on the internet and things like that, especially if it's things like period pieces, but why not call up a university professor who knows the 1800s like. Yeah. And it's like incredible perfectly. how willing, you know, people oh, willing. are to, to, to help you through your creative process, to yeah. give you the things that you need to do. You know, it's, it's, uh, just people exercising their own passions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing too, is like, uh, you know, I, I think through being screen, a screenwriter, which has been my primary focus is how much people want to be involved in the process of it. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. quite amazing. Like when I tell someone I'm writing this story, it's about this thing, right? If someone has a connection to that, like not everybody does, but mm -hmm. sometimes people have like a real visceral, they're like, you know, I experienced that or whatever or whatever. And they, yeah. and they throw some stuff at you, but it's like, it's not stuff you can really find on the internet. Maybe you could through blogs, but it's kind of that almost they give you exactly what you need because something about what you told them hits them and it's the personal story. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, for example, this one police officer who's, you know, um, he shared with me and, and actually he wasn't supposed to. So I'm not going to say who it was, <laughs> oh, <absolutely laughs> where no. this happened in the world. Confidentiality. <laughs> he actually was not supposed to show me this. Is, so this police officer kind of broke the law yeah. <laughs> for the sake of story. Yeah. Um, but he's an amazing guy. And he showed me about this bust that they did. And he's holding like, literally like, you know, you ever seen that movie Blow? Like this, like 
massive amounts of cash. So much cash that it's like too heavy for like a grown man to like hold. It's like heavy, right? Yeah. And he shared with me how how they uncovered this whole thing, you know, how how it works internationally, this whole business, the exchange of money. It, it's amazing. And the thing is, is that never would have happened had I not written this script. And so, you know, the script gives me the opportunity, the opportunity informs the script. It's a beautiful yeah. kind of, you know, a bunch of events, really. And in the bigger grand scheme, it teaches you something Yeah. as a person. Right? Something that you believe in or something that you're grateful for, like not being an undercover police officer. Well, I just wonder, like, <laughs> you know, how, like, I mean, other than maybe going out and watching some movie that someone made, which showed you this world, yeah. how would you ever get that experience? You know, like, if I put that event in my script, you, and you might almost believe that that was something I made up. Yeah. And this actually happened in real life, and I got to hear it from the people, or at least one of the people who was actually there and a part of this whole undercover sting and how this all happened. And this is like, like a major, like monumental bust, you know what I mean? For, well, you know, but what's interesting is also you start to uncover that the, the, of the criminal world, you know, of these illegal activities, you start to see the expansiveness of it and how like, or at least what I've seen is how, how much people get kind of wrapped up into it and how it's almost it, it has this impossibility to stop in a sense. Like yeah. there's a certain level where like, even as a police officer, it's like, you know, you're going up to levels like FBI, CIA at a certain point, like it, yeah. things go beyond and they're, they're not even just in your little city or in your little province or state or in your country, they're international and they're interconnected Yeah, and it's wild, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I mean, and then you have this undercover cop who's trying to do a big thing. And what I realized was like, you know, he he stumbles into a world that he realizes bigger than he ever really yeah. knew. You know? So to to bring this sort of back, sure. would you be like would like what would you say it was the theme mm-hmm. of the Burning Blues? What would you say it is now? Well, okay, so to put you on the spot, <laughs> you know it's 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 uh, it's actually challenging to answer it because I feel like I'm uncovering it again, once again. Um, but originally it was, it was essentially along the line. Um, okay. The first initial theme was that there's no way to basically be ethical in a dark world. Like eventually the dark world consumes you. That was the, and I don't know if that was true or not. That was just the world I was going into. Cause, yeah. Yeah. cause the so first initial, yeah, the first initial idea was that what if someone went undercover lost themselves undercover and how would that affect them personally? And I know that kind of like, uh, was that, um, there was a movie, Donnie Brasco, which was a little bit kind of like that. Or but the I Descendants. Fe- or The Descendants. Okay. I didn't say The Descendants? The Descendants? No, sorry. My bad. The Departed. The Departed. The Departed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not The Descendants. That's so, totally not. <laughs> totally different. Departed. <laughs> so, side note, I mean, I love The Departed. I, I love criminal thrillers. Um, so my first draft, I mean, to be honest, was somewhat cliche and superficial in the sense that I was taking a little bit of, you know, things from movies that I'd really liked. But anyway, I just wanted to explore it on a more personal level. Yeah. I would say, like, now, you know, I don't even want to say it right now because, but I can just tell you this, it's evolved. Yeah. It's evolved, and it's nothing like that original theme, but that theme got me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and... Which I, was, it's impossible to stay ethical in... A dark world. Yeah, dark it, it eventually world. consumes you. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which... Um, 
you know, actually, if you start to understand the criminal world and you start to under, understand deep undercover, yeah. this is actually pretty true. I mean, yeah. there's a certain reason why if the case isn't closed at a certain point, they have to pull them out. Because, like, to, to the degree of the stuff that you would have to do to maintain the lifestyle is actually, like, eventually the, the jig is up. Like, people will catch on. So, you know, um, there's a great book, actually, to read. Uh, it's... Um, What's it called uh, by McQueen? It's called, um, oh man, you know, I'm totally forgetting the name, but it actually, um, from a lot of what I learned, it, it has a, he tried to stay very ethical undercover and it was yeah. challenging, you know, and, yeah. and most undercover stories, if you read most of the novels, most of the guys undercover didn't actually stay very ethical. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard with, without getting caught. Yeah, I mean, someone puts drugs in front of you. You're not supposed to do drugs as a police officer. You're actually supposed to, if you do drugs and it's in your system and stuff, you're actually supposed to stop the case. But a lot of guys, you know, they're not going to not do the drugs. They could get killed in that moment. Yeah. But they also don't report it, which is also illegal because they want to stay undercover. They want to keep making progress. But legally, you're supposed to. So you're immediately, you're breaking the law. But it's a super gray area. It's a gray area. Yeah. You know, what's it's like, what's the greater good? Do I do this kind of a legal thing, which actually gets more of these guys incriminated and off the streets? Or do, you know, and if I do the incriminating thing, you know, where's the, it's a slippery slope. How far do you go down that road? Yeah. You know? There's a theme there somewhere, too. Sure. I wanted, yeah, for sure. I wanted to just <laughs> quickly touch back on, like, sure. that your first draft was really cliche, but that's every draft. Like, first draft is only going to be cliche because it's it's what your brain goes to fat first, yes, right? Totally. So, like, Evan always says to me, a great script is not written, it is rewritten, mm. right? So, like, your first draft is going to be, like, my process is usually uh, idea, outline, and then first draft. Like, just get it done. Mm. Because there is no way to get a first draft perfect. And if you worry about that, you'll never finish it. So it's always like, who cares? It's going to be cliche. It's fine. These 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 scenes might not even match up. And you know that in your mind. You're like, oh, this is going in a different direction. And that's not going to match up with this. But you're going to change it later. So you yes. don't worry about it. You don't just worry continue. about it. You just got to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to get the, the script complete. Yeah. And you got to, if you try to make your script perfect, if you edit while you write, you're doomed. You're doomed. You need to write you know, basically, who is it? Hemingway who says every first draft is a piece of shit or something. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. it's true. Was that Hemingway? Hemingway. <laughs> By the way, the novel that I read, and if anybody's really interested in undercover, um, and, and the best place to start is a book called Under and Alone. And uh, the author is something McQueen, I'm pretty sure. And he was actually an undercover. And, and it's an amazing story. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. And he even talks about how, like, he kind of still is always looking over his shoulder because, I mean, he incriminate. like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the book. If people want to yeah. read it, read it. It's a, it's amazing. If you love undercover cop stuff, this is a true story. And it's written like a novel. But, uh, it, I mean, he's, everything he's talked about is, like, verified and validated. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. Pretty yeah. incredible cool. work. Incredible. Um, so, so anyway, aside yeah. from all this, so theme. Yeah, so it's, it's... Different ways of finding theme is something that you touched on that I thought was really interesting. You can get into quotes. You can get into sort of bigger themes like, you know, good and evil. Like, your sort of thing is, like, can you stay ethical in an unethical world? Mm-hmm. And 
And is there sort of gray area there? And yeah. then maybe and that's that's one that I think will definitely teach yeah, you something. If there's something that's personal going on in your life, or maybe like there's just an area that you're interested in exploring. Yeah. There's some sort of a concept that just you like, have a curiosity about, and there's a theme probably somewhere in there for you so. to go after. Um, but I think as we've been talking, it seems more and more like, well, yeah, like you can, it's, it's good that you have that, but you know, you need to kind of get that first, that first thing out there. And then when it, once you've done that, you can go, oh, okay. I, I see what I've got (laughs) at the end of all of this. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I, I see what I have here. And now you can really build on that and really start to figure out what it is that you, what you're trying to say yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, kind of like the moral of the story. That's yeah. I mean, that's, like I, I guess that would be a theme that's right there. Yeah. That's sometimes like what I've, I've had described to me is like at the end of the story is really where it comes like, and the moral of the story is mm. maybe you can't be ethical. Maybe it's a gray area completely or, or maybe, you know, love exists within you. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the moral of the story. You can come at theme that way. Especially when you only see a quick picture in the beginning. And yeah. then when you outline, you're like, okay, I sort of understand this story. And the sort of moral of this story is going to be blank. And then when you start writing it, it might all just go out the window. <laughs> and, and it's funny because there's, there's almost, when just listening to you to you talk, it was, I, I'm just like, well, there's, yeah, there's a certain naive sense that we have that it's that it should be this perfect (laughs) theme like right from the beginning because like how can you possibly know that from a very sort of like you know your outline which is relatively rough for the most part you know like because then when especially with a a screenplay or with a book or anything it's like now you really start as you're doing it, as you're writing the script or you're, or you're writing the book or even in, in acting, you're doing the performance. I would imagine like painters have some sort of a similar process. We should have a, have a painter or a, I think so. or, an, I or an artist on here in that way sometime to discuss these things with us. That would Absolutely. be fantastic. But, um, you, you have this rough thing and for whatever reason, when you go into it and you start writing it, you think it should just be that perfect thing that you've laid out. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous because now you're getting into everything line by line of what is happening moment to moment to moment. And you're not allowing. And yeah, it's like you've got so, but you have to allow, you have to allow something to happen in there that you didn't expect to happen. That's going to potentially completely reshape your story for the better. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the Pixar thing, right? That you brought up earlier. Pixar has obviously got their, let's just say it, their shit together. I yeah. mean, <laughs> look at the stuff they're putting out. It's amazing. You it's know? Really Inside great. Out was, I felt, one of the most important movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah. yeah. What a year for movies 2015 was. Anyhow, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, Was that 2015 or was that earlier? Inside Out was the... Oh, Inside Out. Yeah, Inside Out. Yeah, yeah, Inside Out was phenomenal. Um, But my point is is that, you know, they were saying, you know, you don't really know the theme until the end. So if you don't, if that is true, and I do actually agree, I would say get the script done as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. so you can figure out the theme and then you can actually write the script 
knowing the theme. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it, it's very true. Like, you really don't know the theme. You have this idea and then you write it. I think you need an idea to keep everything in a through line together. Mm-hmm. But just get that script done as quickly as possible. It's going to be crap. Don't worry about it. But it's, <laughs> what? They're not hiring you. And I can tell you this. Like, like, like when we work out a screenwriting deal, let me just explain how it works. When I'm having a conversation with the producers who are about to pay me and do all this stuff, they want a workable draft. They don't want a first draft. No. So you you know so you got to factor that in. So I can write a I can write a draft in a, in like a week or two, but a workable draft it, it's going to take me probably a month you know, possibly a month and a half, depending on the content I'm working with. You know what I mean? And, and that's writers just really quickly never show anybody your first draft. No, like that's honestly a rule for me. Is like don't you ever show someone your first draft? It's too like it's too raw. It's too un like tangled up, like it's too, it's not ever going to be good. So yeah. always show someone yeah, and it's like, what kind at of least feedback, a workable draft. Yeah, it's like, what kind of feedback are you going to get from it? I mean, yeah. mo- a lot of, at least probably 80% of the feedback you will get is stuff that you will probably be well aware of yeah. <laughs> yourself yeah. when you yeah. go through it. Yeah. You know, the moment you write a draft, and I can I can say this from my own experience, is and I write really quickly, but mm-hmm. I can I, I can say this and I've worked with a lot of screenwriters and I, I coach that, but literally the moment you're done, the day two or three, right after that, a whole it's like someone breaks a dam open and all the ideas all of a sudden pour out out of nowhere. Because it's like you just finished, right? You get that elation of like being complete and you're like, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, if you just stop to think about it all. And the thing is, I think that most writers, they're, they're, I think the reason why they don't work is they're lazy because the moment that those ideas come in, you need to start jotting down notes. You need to start getting ready. And in the next three days, you should be going, okay, let's rewrite this baby. Because like literally those first three days, you're like, cause it, cause the, the elation of completion almost takes away all the stress of getting it done. And once that happens, you're my mind at least. And I've, I've seen this with other people. It's mm-hmm. like, you go like, you know when you watch a movie with a twist and you go back through the whole movie and you go, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, this was going on the whole time? Like, you know, The Sixth Sense or something? Then imagine, like, rewriting it but knowing that. That's, yeah. like, that's what happens. You have the discovery the moment you finish. It's your mind working on it still. Exactly. You're just, you're always working on an idea. I mean, and then there's the whole thing that you say, like, but, you know, let it be done eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people who work on... Draft after draft after draft after draft, trying to make it perfect. And you know what? If you don't put it out there, it's never going to be perfect. Like no, no final thing is ever going to be perfect. And I find I find that the actual beauty and perfection really comes in the collaborative creative process. Yeah. When that producer, the right producer, the director, and the actors all come together, and that look comes together, because a script is like a piece of the puzzle in a in the whole picture, right? So you want yeah. a beautiful piece of work, but if you keep on and never let it let it come to life. You're actually never gonna finish the whole picture, you know. Like that's sort of, yeah. I don't know if that makes well, sense. It's, it's <laughs> a screen, you know, so. at least with a screenplay, and I think this is a rule. Yeah. That anyone anyone writing screenplays, your screenplay is never done until the last day of shooting and editing. Yeah. That's it. Until until it's on the big screen, your script is not done. Yeah. And I can tell you this: th- your job is to rewrite. From the moment you have a, a draft that, that people want to green light, or to the moment you even start with the idea, yeah. pretty much, you're, I mean, you finish your first draft. From the moment you finish your very first draft, 
to the moment that it's on the big screen, you are in rewrite. Yeah. And if you don't start to love that process, you have no business being a professional screenwriter, in my opinion, because that is your job. That's what you're hired for, you know? And the, the first initial draft, I mean, in a sense, if you really like take the pressure off, that's easy. Like, you know, especially if you understand some structure or some story structure and whatever, that part's actually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Then the rewrite is where you, you actually get to live as an artist. You actually get to be creative with your own work. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I mean. And where you really start to getting back to theme. Our, our theme. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, and also like being consciously putting ideas that are important to you yeah. in your work, mm. saying something with your work. And that's when. I think the rewrites where that really starts to come together. Absolutely, because I I wrote a I wrote I wrote a, a good chunk of a script a while back, and I have revisited it before, and I kind of fell off. So I was like, you know, I just I'm not liking the story, and I don't know why. So I'm just not going to put my focus here. And then I I sat back down, and I was like, oh, I I really don't like I don't like what I'm putting out into the world is what it ended up being. It's like, I just, I don't like how, like, and it was sort of a place of a bit of cliche and this and that and the other, but the way that the story was going, I'm like, this is, this is kind of like a, a stupid message. <laughs> Something that I don't, I just don't agree with. It's just, it, it is, it was what it was. And then but, why are you even doing it? And then? then why am I even doing it? So I've, I've dropped it and sort of moved on to a different sort of, interesting passion project that I'm, I love, but this script is always sort of in the back of my mind because the concept is interesting, mm-hmm. but I don't know exactly how to write the story yet. And that's, that's and what do you want to say with it? Yeah, exactly. So I actually think that for me in that specific script, for me right now, it is like, what do I want to say with this? What is this theme going to be? Some sometimes it's sometimes it's not a focus for me. Sometimes it's this is my concept. This is sort of maybe I'm inspired by an era or like a scene in my head, and, and sort of it comes to fruition in that way. But this one was this one was was I was trying to say something, and as it was being written, it wasn't being said, and I was completely unsatisfied. Mm. But it's it's so this one is an interesting thing, and so sometimes that'll happen, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. you get into the middle of a script, and you're like, I hate this. Yeah. And for me, it was it was just like it was just a really shitty portrayal of of women, <laughs> like which is weird, which is completely against what I want to do. But I was like, oh man, and it was because it was actually a script that I was working on through a class and I was like okay this is because this is where my teacher directed this oh yeah and and so what my bigger picture got lost in sort of a this is sellable yes kind of mentality oh my god you know I (laughs) this is so you stumbled on something here that's so important because writing teachers and there's so many of them can just totally mess you up yeah I mean because you know what Okay. Any kind of teacher can, even if they're trying to be good. Yeah. They they have their own agenda that might not be right for you. Any. You know, well, this is my point: is that if they have an agenda, they you know they're using their opinion to tell you what's sellable, marketable, whatever, all that other stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, you still got to come back to yourself and write the story that you want to write. And I mean, you know, like. Um, you know, screenwriting for hire, it, it, you know, it's all it, like, 
I mean, all the scripts are mostly about, okay, well, will this sell or whatever. Basically, the way I look at it is I go, okay, if you guys like this concept, then already let's trust that this is going to, this is a sellable idea. If, if you come and the concept sounds great and people go, yeah, I'd like to see that made. Great. Now, that's fine. Now go tell a story you want to tell within the context of that concept, right? But if, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think that's one of the challenges we have as artists. And this is really about artistic integrity here is you yeah. got to trust yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. It's only you and the blank page at the end of the day. And even if you're the director, it's you and the, the way you're going to capture this. If it's you and the actor. It's you and what you're going to do with the lines, you know? Yeah, I think I think that is a big problem in sort of the industry part of of our world is that the industry has in some ways some some parts of the industry have forgotten about the art form mm -hmm. and they go like we were talking about like oh my gosh like there's another sort of like female sort of uh hunger games type thing coming out and we're like okay like so we see that and this is from you evan but yeah. like we see that <laughs> that female like you know female protagonists are selling but you don't need to make the same fucking movie <laughs> over and over again because then it just becomes like, oh, this is terrible. Let's see. You see that female protagonist. Let's get some originality. Let's get some. Yeah. This is where it's like, okay, why don't I just write the same freaking story again? And it's like, it'll sell. And it's like they're pumping that into our whole entire industry. And it's just exhausting sometimes because you go, well well, where's everything else? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and there's a point where, and, and we've touched on this, you know, there's actually, there is a very beautiful meeting place where the business and the industry meet with the artistry of it. Yes. And, and everybody yes. benefits from it. Mm -hmm. Like um, Star Wars. Like Star Wars. J.J. <laughs> Abrams. If we want to get into that one again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, right. You guys talked about that. Yeah. We did. In our last yeah. podcast. Yeah. We uh, we talked about Star Wars. But yeah, it was. It was it was incredible. I, I saw a funny meme about that where it it was like a, it said, Hollywood has said for years that, you know, movies with ethnic or female oh, protagonists yeah. don't sell. Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> like biggest grossing movie of all time. Yes, I saw that. One <laughs> did it? Too. Did it gross the most of all time? I, according I, to the meme, uh, we according to the meme, yeah, we haven't, we haven't verified it. Because Avatar was was that was that. Avatar made a lot of money. Made yeah. a lot of money. I never know. Like, anyways, that's the. But I don't know. I don't know. This movie's big. I went and saw it again. Yeah, I'm gonna see it again. So. Yeah. I yes. might even see it one more time. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, and I think uh, I think that's true. Business and art need to come together because there's, you know, there's like it's it's like there's uh, there's two sides to the coin, and mm -hmm. you know, if it's the thing is, is that you know, you look at those you look at those movies that do like festivals, and then they never get distributed. Mm -hmm. And then you look at those ones that maybe they get distributed, but like no one will ever remember them and they're just terrible. You're never going to watch it again. Yeah. Right. And sometimes both can be equally terrible just in different ways. And so if you look at it, like, you know, usually one is one, one of them is missing, you know, they're missing something that is necessary for the whole, you know, for the whole thing to come together. And I think like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> 
at the end of the yeah. day, I think theme theme is the voice. It's it's what do you want to say, yeah. and it's and theme comes down to like trust yourself and connect with what you really want to do and what you want to say, and then take all that and look at you know, like there's an industry in place and there's certain things in place for a reason. They're doing this because. Yeah. They, you know, they want to be able to, like, if people, if, if, listen, if you're going to take a million dollars, right, mm-hmm. of your hard-earned money, yeah. or 10 or whatever, and you're going to put it into something, and I said, you know what, there's a 3% chance you'll get your money back. You'd be like, forget it, not going to do it. But if I said, okay, well, it's, it's high risk, but it's a 70 or 80% chance, but if you do get your money back, you'll probably get your money back tenfold. To you, that would make sense. So the business is taking that percentage and making it a lot higher. Independent film basically says, you know what? We don't care about the percentage. Yeah. Let's just make something. We want to make it. And then the business side, which is all business, no art, they go, let's make sure it's 100% guarantee and forget the art. Right. And this is where it's like, let's meld it. Because, for one, with artistry, I think, becomes way more sellability. Mm. Because if you put something like the money that they put into a Marvel movie, maybe not $250 million into an indie. Let's not get crazy. But why don't you, <laughs> why don't you make something that is incredible with great actors and a great director and some beautiful art piece but really high production value. Man, you're going to make so much bank. Mm-hmm. Like you just will. Even if you put if, – if we started making $50,000 movies again, those nice beautiful indies that are kind of like, you know – the the good the great actors the great stories the great this that and then you're gonna make so much bank mm-hmm. more than yeah. if you make this crappy thing that you might make a lot you might make your investment back but you're not gonna make it tenfold yeah and if we start making something like I don't know like a CW show with really great actors and really that sounds really bad <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's not what I mean but I mean like you know these kind of soap soap opera shows that actually are pretty good but there's those little tweaks where the art could come in just a little bit more you would just have such a a way higher rate of return in my opinion well you know there's a and I just have to say this as a side note we can have a discussion about this later but it, um, there's a multiplication uh, like kind of equation mm-hmm. with making a film based on the money that you put in yeah. based on the return you can get. So yeah. they actually, uh, from what I understand is, um, and ex- like, especially if you want to make any money, like as a screenwriter, usually they need to be looking like within like the million dollar range to $10 million range. Yeah. And so there's a multiplication within the 10 to, or, or the 1 million to actually up to 15 million, right? Where you need certain elements in place to justify that money. And if you're under, a million, um, it's, if you can get these any of these elements in the 1 to 10, because basically you got to think about it. There's like union fees. There's all these things you have to cover. So by the time your budget actually works out, you might not think it's as much as it is, but whatever. If you could shoot anything within that range and that multiplication for less because you can cut more costs, mm-hmm. then you, you can still get the same mult- multiplication but with less risk. But usually the under a million um, – basically between like a quarter quarter million and a million there's this kind of area which is almost and it's not it's not always the case but for probably the high percentage it's a dead window like they they basically are investments that will never make back any money because people do them wrong like they don't get a name for the box cover they don't get a face and so what ends up happening is 
there really is no distribution model because it's actually dangerous to distribute it because it actually would almost and then there's there's shady distributors who will do it but then you won't even see a dollar as a filmmaker yeah. it's anyway we can talk about that another day yeah but yeah i mean the business there's certain elements you could do something like um for $250,000 or under, and you can hit that budget mark or whatever, and you could actually make a lot of money. But I think what people need to realize is the business is trying to say, put these elements in place so that that will work. And the art is saying, okay, well, you make something in that budget range, you got to make it kind of a great story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, For me, it's like where, where you, as like, uh, as the artistic side of it and as the storyteller side of it, the business... you for me, you need to look at, at it as being like the business is the fuel to focus your story. That's really what I feel like the business tries to do and actually adds as like, uh, as a contributor to your stories that is it makes you focus your story. Mm. What are you really trying to say? Cause it is in some ways about efficiency. Yeah. How are you efficiently telling this? Mm-hmm. You know, because usually most of my, my problems like if you, if you look at, we can look at both ends of the scale here. Sure. You know, it's like, there's the stuff that just, they seem to have thrown as much crap that seems to sell (laughs) in it as possible. You know, you're going to do like lots of special effects, lots of this, lots of that, but there's no soul to it. And, and they bomb. Yeah. They do terribly. Could point a finger at any number of films Mm -hmm. (laughs) here. And it's like, you know, they might still make some money, but the amount of costs that went into it, they never make it back. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, you look at these indies, which make no sort of quote unquote compromises to their script to make it more marketable or sellable mm-hmm. per se. And you watch these movies and you're just like, oh my God, get on with it already. Like yeah. they just, they <laughs> wander around. They don't really seem to be doing it. Like there's no, there's no movement yeah. There's no there's no action to the story. And that doesn't yeah. mean it's an action film, but like but there's, there's no got to be point a point to it. Yeah, there's got to be a movement yeah. to the to the story. Yeah. And when they come together, you have something that has soul, something that has heart and something that really moves. Yeah. Mm. Something that really pulses. Yeah. Right? And that's the marriage to me. And that's what if you're on the artist side, that's I think how you need to look at the business. It's like focus your story tell it as efficiently as, as you possibly can. Cause that's screenwriting. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, I'm an artist first before I'm like a producer business person. Absolutely. But, um, I was telling Evan in an earlier podcast, actually, someone called me a suit once on set and I was the guy who was responsible to make sure that we stayed on budget, got it done in time and, you know, a variation of other factors. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you have just no idea. Do you think I want to be your enemy to your art? Do you think yeah. that I want to stop you from doing this? It's like telling a child not to play in traffic. You're going to get hurt or you might get hurt and you don't know it. But in some ways, sometimes you're going to have to put on that hat. You're going to have to be a parent and you're going to have to be responsible. And sometimes you get to be a kid and you get to play. If you just do one or the other, you're going to get yourself into trouble. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that, you know, do you think a producer wants to like have a fight with the director? No. no. Do you think the director like wants to have a fight with a producer. No, you guys got to learn how to work together. It is a marriage. It's a team. That's, that's my point is like, is I feel like there is so much to be done in the marriage of it all Mm -hmm. of the collaborative process of being a piece of that puzzle and understanding that we're all a piece of this puzzle. So how do we 
work together to make this beautiful art that if it's our goal, to, that also makes a lot of bank, right? Like, how do we marriage these two things so that there's more great stuff to watch yes. than terrible stuff to watch? That, that <laughs> you know, that, that, that only, that is so sad. Sometimes I feel really sad about things because mm. I'm like, what a beautiful concept. And in the delivery of it, it could have been so much more, but something got lost. Mm-hmm. Because because probably one of those things was was trying to be the big picture instead of a piece of the puzzle, you know. Because that's that's something that I hear a lot is like we need to and I, I agree with it. it's like let's work together because I'm a huge collaborator. That's like I'm I'm making a kids show right now, and I have a very small team, and I'm <laughs> writing, acting, producing <laughs> like all of it. Like <laughs> I've directed some stuff with some other people. It has been a beautiful ride, but I don't <laughs> interfere unless it needs to be interfered with in the artistic process of someone. Who am I to tell my animators how to do something mm. or what it should look like? I'm actually more excited to see what they're going to come up with with my sort of script. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't see it like that, but I love it. You know, like I didn't see it like this, but... It, it looks so good. But and I'm, like, I'm sure you gave them a direction, though. Yeah, I probably gave them a well, direction. Well, the, the yeah. script always gives some somebody a direction, and I think the only real direction that I gave to my animator, because it's a, it's a children's show for between ages three to five, was I just want them to be so mind-bogglingly cute. Like, I just mm. want really big eyes and, like, just kind of, like, adorable. But, like, at the same time, we were doing it super low budge. So don't kill yourselves for this like just do it as beautiful and they just they work together and it's this gorgeous little project that just makes me go ah it's so cute oh my gosh <laughs> like it's so adorable now and I, I just I thank my animators every day and 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 the people who did the filmography because we did it really simple but still like you know I don't I don't tell them how to do their jobs we, yeah. we work together and I, I make suggestions and they get what I say and then it's like great cool like even like in even in the editing process, like it's fun because I get to step into every single pair of shoes, and I don't like all of them. <laughs> I really don't. But like it's it's been a really great thing. But I I have like even making making web series and short films and shows and everything that I've done, everything that I've produced. I'm a huge believer of okay, let's see what you've got first, and we'll address it after if it needs to change. Mm-hmm. But let's. Let's well, let's work together because what we're going to come up with together is more bigger and beautiful than what I'm going to come up with alone. You know, uh, there's uh, this whole idea of um, like chaos and structure. Mm-hmm. Too much structure, you kill off chaos. Too much chaos without structure, it's just everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that the marriage is really between structure and chaos, and it's about finding that balance. And yeah. if you're an artist, you're into chaos. You're into the creativity, the openness, the freedom, the whatever. If you're into the finances, the producing, and all that other stuff, and getting it done, and all that, you're more into the structure. You're more into consistency. You're yeah. more into accountability, right? But the thing is, is I think uh, you point to a good direction because you take a creative and you don't micromanage them. You direct them in an area yeah. and let them be creative within the frame in which you can they can be creative in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like you know you. It's used so often, especially within uh, within television. But you can 
throw that into movies too. It's just maybe not quite as obvious, but formula, Mm -hmm. you know how, like there's a formula, formula crime, like crime show or whatever. Right. And it's like, and CSI. Yeah. I mean, how many of those did they do? Arkansas. Obviously what can we, what can we say about CSI? Because that has been one of the most monumentally successful shows, but that's, but then everybody started basing themselves off of that. Yeah. Right. And there was a kind of a formula to it, but I those shows have kind of fall, started to fall by the wayside because we were just inundated by, yeah. by too so much, much, by too yeah. much of it. And it's just like, follow the formula. It's proven to be successful. It's like, well, but the thing is, is that people are not stagnant. Even the most stagnant of human beings are not entirely stagnant. Even if their entire existence is sitting on a couch watching, you know, primetime television, (laughs) eventually they're going to be like, I've seen this show like for the last eight years. Yeah. You know, that's why. Give me something else. That's why some, some shows like some shows die off. Like if you look at Dexter, which I really like that show a lot died off near the later seasons. It was not as strong. And it it was very formulaic. It was very along its lines, and it never really pushed. Um, whereas other movies like Breaking Bad evolved as you went through it. It, it, it was very like, it almost, it, you know, in a sense, I imagine that they had a structure and they had a formula, but they had a chaos in the formula. And that, yeah. to me, kept making, me wanting to watch every episode, you know, like I, I feel anytime someone says, says breaking bad, I feel like I need to like light a candle or <laughs> <laughs> like I need to do something you to like, respect to, it so just like... To give it respect. <laughs> yeah. Breaking because bad for me was so perfectly written. It was yeah. a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece in this, every level. This is something where it's also like, I think something like, I don't know. I haven't seen all of Dexter, but I really like that show too. But there are some shows where you can tell, Oh, it was supposed to end here. Mm. And you signed on for three more seasons <laughs> and then you're just pulling stuff out your butt. Like it's kinda like what Jerry Seinfeld did with, with uh, Seinfeld was he was like, No, I am done. This is the show is done. Yeah. And let's leave on this beautiful high note with this creative piece of brilliance. Yeah. As opposed to going three more you know, seasons and go and 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 like in a dry well and there are like there has been and there's one show and I won't even name it but we all know what it is is like the ending <laughs> the last season was the worst season ever and the ending of that whole entire show was made me never I'm, I will never watch that show even though I love <laughs> it I love the whole for entire for the first thing. like eight nine years yeah for the first like seven <laughs> loved years loved it loved it that last season and the way that it all ended ruined the whole entire concept of the show for me oh man we all know. I, I don't know what the show is I'm, I'm one of the unknowns but well, we, before you say it let's yeah. let's put let's bated breath <laughs> let's talk about the beer that Evan Evan got. Oh for. yeah. Oh yes. Um so this one is from uh New Westminster, British Columbia's Steel and Oak. Mm. And this is called their Blackthorn. Nice. Which is a British or an English strong ale. Yeah. It's delicious. It is. <laughs> it is. It's That's what really, I said really when, good, I, when right? I had a sample of it. I was like <laughs> Seven point one percent. So it's, oh, uh, it's you don't even know. Yeah, it's no cupcake. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> what have you been feeding me? <laughs> uh, it's about to get pretty chaotic. A good time. 
Um, okay. Put your clothes on, Brandon. Uh, I, 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 I didn't choose this beer. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll put my clothes back on. Yes, don't worry. Perfect. That's awkward. Moment of silence. And um, okay, do we say this show or do we leave it? I mean, we, we put our... We put well, our I don't exam. know how important it is to really... I don't continue. like to. I don't like to bash. Yes, yeah, me. A, I don't like yeah, to bash. No, it's, it's I actually a, don't like to. It's just it. It was like it's just an like interesting maybe, concept. Maybe we. Maybe since it's a, an opinion and a strong opinion, let's like. I know that the audience might want to know what it is, but eh, they know. But you know, <laughs> whether they know or they don't or whatever, I don't. But <laughs> yeah. you can tell me after. But anyway, um, the whole point of the matter is 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 what's the point we're trying to make? We're yeah. trying to make is like you know we know, need to know when to finish. Finish strong. Um, you know, work together, collaborate, have your theme, know what you're saying, you know, uh, and, and, and how trust, important trust it your, is. Yeah. How important it is to you? Because honestly, like the best feeling ever is to have a piece of work that you are so proud of, mm-hmm. you know, like how good does that feel where you, you put that out? I mean, as an actor, I've definitely done some stuff where I'm like, God, I wish that wasn't in, in the public. But <laughs> just from just from because you evolve as a person, right? Like, you're just never going to be, you know, hopefully you're always getting better. So me at 20 is very different than me at 30. You know, it's just, it's going to be, and you're hoping that it gets better. <laughs> and you look back, but anyways, I digress. Well, yeah, but, and usually with time and effort, it does. I think, I, so. think yeah. I think anything can be solved. Like we can go back to anything can be solved by asking somebody. Everyone's willing to help in this creative process. Um, when you were saying talking about the being a producer, someone called you a suit. It's like, well, I, I find that like a little bit like it's offensive because for one, it's like, well, you know, you knew that you had eight hours today and you had you could shoot this yes. four times, and I told you that. And as a creative, like you need to understand that. We're all working the best that we can, and so listen to that person, and so do your art within those, those that time frame. Yeah. Well, and, l- can I say something yeah, about that absolutely. too? And and I, and you know you're right. It's like let's say you and I have a meeting, and and we say okay, let's show up at three o'clock. Yeah. And you are an hour late. You're two hours late. You're three hours late. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on, like you not respect anything? Like we made an agreement that we would meet at this time, and like. So then someone's directing a movie or whatever, yeah. and they're trying to do all these artistic shots and whatever, and great, I want you to do that. But factor in the elements, and if you see that you're behind, and you know, I as the assistant director, or someone else as the assistant director, because that's, you know, I commonly do that job, says, yeah. listen, this is how far we've fallen behind. You either pick up the slack. If you don't listen and you want to get, like, mouthy, like, the thing is, is, you know, I was talking with one of my producing mentors, and they were like, okay you know, do you want to fire him? And, and we were just discussing that. And, you know, the, wow, the suit, yeah. you can you can fire. You know, you're the suit, you can fire. And so you go, well, here's the thing. You go, okay, well, if we do, we have another director that's ready to pick up the slack and fill it in. And, we, you know, it's a, it's a cost weight. You know, nobody on that entire set who was a part of getting that movie made is ever going to work with that person again, let alone... Every other person that they know directly, when they say, let's hire this person, everybody's going to be like, no, that guy was an asshole. You know, forget it. We're not doing it. And it's like, because there was no respect. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is ultimately we were like, listen, we want you to get the shots. We want to, like, what do we yeah. need to do? You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something I learned. And I know I'm on my soapbox right now, but I was 21. I got my first job directing. Yeah. I beat out a whole bunch of like way more um, experienced directors. But I was new. I was fresh. Yeah. We were shooting 
I was way over my, my, I was not shooting things on time and, and I was young and I didn't realize the effect that this happened. The producer took me aside. We sat down on the stairs outside of the studio and he said, listen, we're falling behind, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I got some ideas on how you could actually get your shots done and they will still give you the same effect you want. And, and he basically helped me out. And I thought, guy, this guy's on my side. It's like, but the thing is, is like, I could have been like, no, no, I want to shoot it my way. I had my vision and whatever. But he actually, our dilemma became our dilemma and we worked it out together. And I actually think this film was shot better and that film got distribution. And it's a lot of thanks to him yeah. because we got it done. And the other thing too is like, you don't want to abuse your crew and all that other stuff. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I so. do. I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing. I think that, I think that I actually do as much as sometimes the things that I have said <laughs> in this podcast, like, <laughs> but I do think there's a lot more beauty and, and good and people wanting to really work together than there is the people who are just trying to, you know, like yeah. hammer through well, things and, just yet like ask and honestly like that's a great thing because what a great lesson to learn at 21 yes right because that that sets a precedent for you for the rest of your career you're like okay that's great and you know now if you're feeling like okay like because oftentimes it can even be just like pride because you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. but it can it's like okay now i know that it's just better to ask Mm -hmm. okay and even especially like even your videographer whoever's doing your cinematography it's like it's like, okay, like, I need to get these shots. Like, let's look, how can we do this? And we have this time frame. And it's this huge, beautiful collaboration. And that's the beauty yeah. of this thing that comes out. One, one other side note, because I teach, I teach producing. That's kind of like my, Your my niche. school, right? Yeah. But uh, you got to remember, if you're a director or whatever, everybody on set, aside from the technical crew, like all the actors and and all the creative people, the cinematographer, if they're not, if they're enjoying the experience of shooting, they're going to be on your side. Yeah. So if the producer or the assistant director comes along and they say, listen, we got to speed along, we're really in trouble. Mm-hmm. You got to remember that you have a lot of power as a director. You could actually enroll everybody in being like, this jerk wants us to speed up. And the problem is you could turn the whole crew against your producer or against your assistant director. And the thing is, is like, just think of that title assistant director they're there to assist you and everybody else if you turn everyone against them that's like making your teammate your enemy and i think that sometimes and i don't think that's ever justifiable in art i think you want to always consider the fact that everybody's trying to do their best everybody has a job and sometimes the assistant director is not is not right like you know what we can get it done in time fine earn that trust sometimes the director you know, is not, is not necessarily right. Cause we don't need that shot. It's not important, but like, let's work together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, side note, I, were, I feel like we're getting a little off topic, but I, I like where yep. we're going. Yeah, <laughs> this is, seems to be what happens. We start at a place. It's, it, in, in fact, it fits perfectly with what we were talking about. We start with a theme, yeah. but we really don't know what this is <laughs> yes. about until yes. we get to What's the end the of it. What's the theme of this podcast? <laughs> Hilarious. I love it. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. We won't know for another few minutes. Uh, but please comment. What do you think the theme we've of this just, podcast was? Yeah, exactly. Comment below. We've just, we've just perfectly illustrated unconsciously yes how exactly what we're talking about works because truthfully when we do these podcasts we do we don't we don't have like a a set of like we're not sitting here with pieces of paper in front of us and questions that we're going to ask not that to say that we won't no at some point but we 
come in with maybe just a concept and we see where the conversation takes us. And and we get more drunk as we do it. And we get more drunk as we do it. You know it. what I was just thinking? If someone's listened to like all our podcasts, like up to this point, they're going to be like, hey, they didn't introduce the beer. I <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like a structural point of Co- our podcast. It comes <laughs> away like halfway through. But we, we, we waited. We like delayed gratification. And then they're like, oh, there's the beer. <laughs> yeah. This was clearly a good one. <laughs> this is a good beer. Try yeah. this. It'll just it's so make good you. we didn't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, I guess let's wrap it up in the next let's little wrap, bit here. Yeah, yeah um, let's do that. Let's thank you for having me on. Yeah, um, absolutely. I love both of you. I think that you guys are incredible artists in this world and forces of nature to be dealt with in this industry and as, as creatives yourselves, both of you, I have high respect and high, high you guys are, have some of the most beautiful integrity I've ever met. So thank you for having me on today. Oh, no, oh thanks thank for being you. here. Yes, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on and, uh, we have incredible respect for you me personally but we won't get into that i second the motion (laughs) (laughs) um okay so what usually how we like to finish these things off you're our first interviewee by the way ah you're the first you're the first interviewee seems not to be like the right term for this it's like someone who's joined the conversation with us today you're the first to join the conversation with us and have everyone hear your voice and your thoughts um so uh and you don't have to start but what evan and i have been getting in the habit of doing is we like to kind of wrap it all up well, like, what's our closing point what did what did we take away from this because i always find that i learn something like every conversation i always have with evan i always find that i'm a better person for it. there's something i grew or learned or evolved from or i got clearer on and um usually we'll just kind of if there's anything that you found that you did um that's the point we'll leave everybody with and they can kind of go yeah you know, what, I don't know. Who wants to start? Who, what, I'll start. Thing? I'll okay. start. Yeah. Um, for me, the some of the, the highlights and the things that I've taken away from this one is, um, well, something that uh, I can really actually draw on and, and improve upon in my own life where that's like, yeah, you know what? I'm even more clear on this whole idea of, you know, if I'm writing a script, it's important for me to just really get it done really get it done because I know that's something I still struggle with in that, you know, I, I'm still, I'm, I do a little bit of editing while I'm writing mm. throughout the process. And, you know, it can really, it can really bog things down for chunks of time. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm not really going to know what it's about. Again, I have something that's in place for everything that I do always to direct me, but to put it down, to put it down, then I'll really see what happens because within the creative process, there's going to be gifts that come up that are better than the ones that you probably thought of. And if you're open to it and looking for it, it'll be staring you right in the face and it's going to transform your work. Yeah. You know, uh, and I just want to say something on that is that and you and I write together and we kind of do that. But, um, I find that when I take too long and I edit while I write, things become too precious and then I'm not as open to like changing them. Um, and so I actually, I find for me, it is best to just write it, get it done and then come back because that way when I change it, the, the essence of the scene is still there, but it's not precious. But yeah. if you edit it and you're like working every little bit of dialogue, it's like, it's just too precious. And then you're going to be attached to it. Like I never would be where I am with the burning blues. Wh- whatever happens with that, had I been too precious about it. Um, and actually, 
and I will, I mean, to, to this date is the best story that I've written yet. I, I believe I will write better stuff, but um, I was able to achieve that by not making it precious initially. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't know if that's my point. No, no, no. You, well, you were just I was adding just on to what on I was saying. Yeah. So what, what did you, what have you gotten from? Oh, second. Okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm just putting it on you. Okay, I'm on it. You, you're pointing at me. Okay, my shirt's off. And <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, thing that, the thing that I'm really like looking at here is, um, you know, how, how things, you know, you go and you do something. Like, for example, we did this podcast and we said, you know, we said, let's do it about a theme. And then at the end, we had this really great discussion about how to actually work together as artists with the people who are in the business and everything. And I think that was wonderful. And what I learned from all this and what I take away from this is that go full heartedly into what you feel you need to do right now and, and trust that will all work out in the end and something more beautiful will come out of it all that you don't see yet. And if you never take that initial action to go for it, if we never started this podcast, never tried from this direction, we wouldn't have ended up there, I don't think. So the beauty of it all is, is that we just tried something and we ended up in this really neat place. And I think that a script or a story or a piece of art or anything is similar to that. And I think just start, get it done, go forward and see what happens. That's, that's what I'd like to leave people with. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think that, there's an importance to having your theme, but don't don't be rigid in, in your process. Um, it's great to have a direction, and it's great to have a thought process, but allow things to change along the way. And I really love that the whole like collaborative and, and your story about being a producer that way because it's it's such a beautiful thing just to just to just to I don't know collaborate together, respect each other on set, like don't. Like, you know, we treat every, we just treat everybody as equals in the whole process of art making because I think it is ultimately, especially in the screenwriting and film industry, it is a collaborative process. You're creating something piece by piece by piece and it's just so beautiful. Mm. So that's what I take from, from this is like, it's just, yeah, enjoy your process, but allow things to move and flow and... And you know work together and you be know nice. What's, what's great about what you shared too is like it's so in touch with what you're doing as uh, you know consulting and p- teaching people with creativity. I mean because there's you know I mean there's so many producers out there who are business people but they want to make movies and yeah. they and they get into it and they don't necessarily have like the decade of acting classes and screenwriting classes but they get into it and they do it full heartedly yeah. and to have people like yourself who are out there saying listen. I'm going to help help you to streamline this process and kind of, you know, um, and the thing is, is I think that it's a really, just because they're business minded and they're, and it makes sense doesn't mean they don't want to do art. I think yeah, everything absolutely. is artistic. Yeah. And creative. I come, yeah. I, I, I come from everything. There, there is an art form to anything that you do. If you are, you know, if you're straight up an artist in sort of visual or performing arts or whatever you come at, or if you drive a bus every day and it's artistic the way that you present yourself to people or greet people or make some make someone feel just really seen on, you know, daily transit. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think mm-hmm. that if you're, I mean, chef and culinary arts is definitely artistic, but there's just, I think there's an art process to anything. And business, I think there's a lot of art to business. 
uh, and I think that, yeah, I think that producers will, can really benefit from just, you know, I don't know, it's not benefit, but like, just be collaborative. We all just need to be collaborative, and if you want to know something, just ask. We're on the same team. We're on the same exactly. team. Yeah. And we want the same stuff. We everybody want wants to be everything as, as good as it can possibly be. Yeah. And everybody brings something to the table. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think that's the, you know, that for me, that's the best part about you being here is that, you know, when Evan and I talk, there's our dynamic mm -hmm. and, you know, we've done a bit of that, but you bring a whole new dynamic to the whole table. And I think that's been really, it's been a really fun experience um, for me to just have that, um, to have interjected into this whole, this whole thing. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Been a lot of fun for me. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time. Keep drinking that beer. <laughs> <laughs> and keep making your art right now. <laughs> Today. Start. Get it done. Beautiful. You have two weeks. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.